Okay. Welcome. Welcome to the History of LSKIA one-on-one sessions, um, Junior Francis. Now, this series celebrates the SCIA, Rocksteady, and Vintage Reggae scene in Southern California and beyond through insightful conversations with legends and modern-day players, including those behind the scene. And as always, numerous people are always working behind the scene to make this successful. This is a tremendously special episode, one that will be very near and dear to all of us. It is so cripplingly sad that in December of last year, meaning 2021, family, friends, bandmates from the Debonairs and the Revivers and the Ska scene all across the world lost a true talent and an amazing young man in bassist, J- J- bassist Jason Napanya. Hope I said it correctly. Napayon. Napan. Napayon. Napayon. So the Y, the y is active. Napayon. Napayon. Yeah. <laughs> Irreplaceable and, of course, incomparable. Was a bass player. You guys are going to tell us more and also a composer. Perhaps been with the band since its inception. Am I correct? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he he joined it a little bit after, but definitely he's been in since the beginning, since we've been together so long. Well, on this episode, we are joined by his friends uh, and bandmates from Riverside, California, the largest city in California, east of Los Angeles. And the Debonairs been around since mid nineties. Uh, and I think no one can question uh, the fact that we have you guys here tonight. It's been earned. <laughs> you have earned <laughs> your place you. on the show. After Thank well, uh, what going on three decades now, right? Almost, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> anything past, anything past twenty is going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, but 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 it was as much to your credit, man. The Debonairs. Uh-huh. So let me respect, respectfully ask each member to introduce. So. Okay, uh, my name's Mano Miranda. I play guitar. In no particular order. I'm Mike Presser. I also play guitar. My name I'm... is. Uh, ooh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Woody Diaz. Uh, I play. I play drums. I'm Kip Wurzfeld. I also play drums and guitar. <laughs> <laughs> And sing a little. <laughs> saxophone a little. And it. I'm Ryan Thompson. I play the keyboards. Mm-hmm. We have many hats, many hats, many hats. Gentlemen, it's good to be here. As we said before, this is a special occasion, profoundly sad, cripplingly sad that uh, we had to lay to rest, Jason. But that was a very moving uh, show you guys did in tribute to him. People came from all over Southern California, the Riverside, to that show. How old was he approximately? He was 41. 40. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 42 or 40. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. I know he's a little over after 40. Mm-hmm. Well, he's still very young. Very young. Of course. Of course. Are you kidding me? Of course. Of course. Of course. You know, as you mentioned, that my aunt died this past week, 99. And she wow. had faculties and never been sick. Uh, you know, so 41, man, is not even half my aunt. She, her, yeah. her sight was diminishing on her ear, her hearing, but otherwise, man, she was just kicking, walking up and down. 
Yeah. So back to the questions uh, that we said we would get into seriously. Let's talk about each individual member, uh, your family, your friends, where you went to school, because I everyone wants to know. <laughs> At least <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll start. So uh, we're all from Riverside, California. We all met pretty much in high school. So of the people that are here, I, I went to high school with Mike and Ryan and um, Woody went to North with Jason. That's how we met. Kip also went to the same high school as, uh, as we did, but um, he was, he graduated uh, a few years before we did. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the Riverside uh, music scene in general in the mid-90s at the time, uh, there's a lot of punk shows at the Showcase Theater, the Barn, um, and before that at Spanky's. And there's a lot of punk and, and ska. So um, in high school, I, I know me, Mike, and Ryan all like both. Um but we ended up wanting to, or we, we decided to, to start a ska band. So a lot of people were into two-tone ska. That's kind of how I got into it. And then <clears throat> naturally, you know, learned that uh, those bands are covering Jamaican ska bands. So that's when I started learning more about the Scottalites and all that, and then learning about the scene going on in Southern California with Hepcat, Ocean Eleven, and a lot of those bands. So when we formed in 95, um, the earlier days with the Blackpool shows that Luis was doing before Steady Beat had already passed, um, as I said, Spanky's had already closed in Riverside. So we sort of missed the early, early traditional scene. Um, Kip can speak on that more also because he he played in a few bands before joining the debonairs so he had some experience in the scene also mm -hmm. uh, what high school because it's uh, all you guys came from the same high school was it a we went, school yeah we went we went to poly high school uh and woody and jason and our original sax player dave went to north high school yeah, yeah, big up to your, your high school. <laughs> you <know> so <laughs> yeah. You're not kidding. Wow. <laughs> wow. And how many members uh, when you first started out? How many members were in the band? Oh, uh, anybody else want to talk about the early days? Man, the early days, I think we might have had like. 11 or 12 at one time in the early days we had orchestra yeah <laughs> we had a couple of female um backup vocalists um you know we like a lot of early ska bands we went through a lot of different changes a lot of different horn players in the first year or two um we had a different drummer you know right <laughs> off the bat but woody came in pretty quickly afterward um we got to give a lot of credit to our just to Dave Sackover, our our one of our original sax players. He kind of bridged the gap between he brought Polly and North and, 
and these two schools and these different members together to form the Debs. Um, when I joined, Ryan and I were playing kind of in a, a punk band at the time, and <clears throat> I got into ska and reggae probably, I don't know, in retrospect, it was probably only a couple months after Mono did but You know, Mono kind of recruited me for the band, and I had to borrow a lot of CDs from him right off the bat and learn about, like, what is this genre of music? So I came from a classic rock background, and I was, you know, it was in the rancid and minor threat and all that kind of stuff. So a little bit of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I should add that Mike and I had known each other since we were in fifth or sixth grade. So we started playing guitar, learning to play guitar in junior high. And and so we were already close friends and, and you know, learning to play. So becoming musicians um, when we decided to form the, the band. And, and Ryan here was also an original member um, He's sort of a multi-instrumentalist, so he he was playing um, bass actually before Jason came on board. The early days, Ryan and I would switch off on bass, so he would play yeah. bass on some songs, and I would play guitar, and then I'd play bass, and he'd jump on the keys. Uh, so and, versatility, yeah. And our relationship with Ryan goes back, you know, before the band too. We we all knew each other in middle school as well. You know, um, this is totally irrelevant, but I should say, so when Ryan told me he was leaving town, I told him he's making a mistake. (laughs) 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 I I said, no, you're making a mistake. I, I, I just took the liberty and the audacity to say that. (laughs) I'm not as vocal now. I said, man, you can't leave the band. I mean, there is definitely periods of time, you know, during our, you know, our college years when Mono went up to to San Francisco, he was trekking it down for practices, you know, a couple times a month making shows. So even Ryan going to San Diego and Mono going up north, we still somehow managed to to make it work. Yes. Yeah, we we were able to record and release two albums also somehow <laughs> we pulled out <laughs> and we also recruited some musicians from there too yes mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and and trombone tom you know took up the slack when you um when you were absent he he, he really I, I didn't know he was so versatile you yeah. know so i saw him on the keys i said yeah how come i don't have that time? <laughs> i can't just go from <laughs> instrument to instrument <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, he he actually left for a while when he joined the Marines, and um, when he was stationed there, he um, oh, there's Roberto. Hey, Roberto. <laughs> uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Roberto? Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, Roberto Ronquillo, uh, <laughs> saxophone, debonairs. Just got home from softball practice, guys. Sorry. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> Nice. So we we uh, we should mention, yeah, he's one of our newer members, a sax yeah. player that took over after Dave moved. And um, I was talking about Tom moved to um, he was stationed in Virginia, I think. And um, that's where he met um, Josh Jerji, who also played trumpet for us for a number of years, um, who's also based in the Bay Area. Um 
Uh, one, one other thing I, I should mention too, when we're talking about high school in the early years is that um, Tony Green was our original singer, who's now the singer for the Revivers. So our first album, um, Tony was the lead vocalist that we recorded that when we were still in high school. <laughs> and um, Kip, Kip um, played sax and sang backup vocals and we just loved working with him. And um, when Tony was no longer in the band, that's when Kip ended up coming on board as lead vocalist. But yeah, we're right. So we've gone through a lot of different players, right? Like Roberto kind of came in for Dave and kind of how Mono was saying earlier, you know, Dave kind of bridged that gap to where, um, you know, I knew Dave for several years and, you know, kind of like Mike was saying, I had a different background, um, but, you know, I had heard, you know, in Riverside kind of causing a stir, the debonairs playing different shows. And, you know, I was very aware of them. And, you know, the first drummer, um, what Aaron Hanna, he, he had quit or, or, or whatever, you know, he moved on. And, and so Dave said, Hey man, you know, we need a drummer, you know, would you be interested? And I said, I mean, yeah, you know, I've, I've heard about you guys. I want to see what, what's good. You know, I want to get involved and similar to my, I had, I really didn't have much of a background. I mean, you know, I knew Bob Marley and some of the icons and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, Dave had brought me over to practice and, you know, played me some recordings, gave me some Scottlight CDs and said, hey, man, this is this is what you have to learn. You know, this is this is how we're trying to sound. And, and so, you know, I took that on. Um, and uh, Tony is actually the first singer. He was Jason's cousin. Right. And I, I don't know if that if that's how Jason got involved. But I knew Jason from high school, too. And um, so, yeah, I remember Ryan and Mike always trading off bass and, and then, you know, we had Jason at one practice and it was just, you know, solid from the start and, and he just came in and, and, and that was that. And, you know, I didn't know him too well, but of course, you know, over the years got to know him, um, you know, really well and, you know, locked in and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we've definitely gone through a lot of different players and it's interesting because even when, Tom was gone um, and we had a different trombone player, different uh, trumpet player. Um, but, you know, Tom came right back in and of course, you know, he, he's always going to have a spot with us. So that, you know, that was nice when he came back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a relatively short period of time, but in high school, it seems like a long time, you know? So when we first started was 95, but really by 97, I'd say 98 at the latest, we we've had the core members have still been in, in the band since then. So <clears throat> Tom's always been integral. I think he, he took just coming out of the, the army. He was a disciplinarian. So he's always kind of, we, you know, we always refer to him kind of as the, you know, the Sergeant, yeah. he just keeps, he keeps the, the horn line in order. And I feel like the horns are always intimidated <laughs> playing next to him. Dave was always afraid that he was going to be a slight, you know, a slight beat ahead or behind. Uh, yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom's not afraid. Yeah, he's pretty serious. To, yeah, he's not afraid to give the side eye during someone's solos sometimes. Especially uh, yeah. in the yeah. early days. Yeah. I remember when yeah. I heard him, he said, man, Dan Drummond is alive in Riverside of all places. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> so where did the name come from? Because when, in doing my research for tonight, I noticed that there's another debonair from the doo-wop era. Perhaps we're based on the East Coast. Where did the yeah. name come from? Yeah, we found out later about that. Um, yeah, there's also, uh, there was a Jamaican band that put out a, a 45 also called the Debonairs. And uh, yeah, we didn't know. So we went through a few different names, none that were very memorable. <laughs> um, I actually, my, my girlfriend at the time, um, her sister recommended it. And I liked it and brought it up to everyone else. And, and it's stuck and it's fitting for the kind of, mm. you know, the music in the scene, dressing sharp, just, you know, being debonair and, and definitely, in, I mean, in the early days, you know, we were wearing suits to every show and stuff mm -hmm. before we outgrew them. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier in the early days. <laughs> so Robert, can you tell us, introduce yourself uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself? Where you're from? I want to assume it's Riverside. Who are you asking? Who are you? Robert. Roberto. Oh. Roberto. I'm sorry. Can I say that one more time? Oh, let me try in English. I will say it in Jamaican. Can you introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah. He was, so how did you get how did you get involved with the Debs? Oh my goodness. Um, it. The bands, I, I've played with countless bands before Debonairs. Um, every band that I was with before Debonairs, oh, Debonairs and Riverside, oh, Debonairs. They're like, you know, they're the, the epitome of what Riverside, the sound of Riverside is. Um, so every time, um, <laughs> oh, Debonairs are playing here, Debonairs are playing there. All right, cool. Well, I caught my first show. Oh, goodness. Uh, 2010. I couldn't catch him in 95 or 98. I was uh, still in grade school when that <laughs> happened. So uh, <laughs> uh, luckily, you know, uh, about 2010, between 2010, 2012, um, I saw him at the Mission Tobacco Lounge. Um, it was it was definitely a rare um, opportunity. I think they were playing with the uh, with the Slackers, actually. And it's the first time I bought an online ticket. There you go. First wow. time. So, <laughs> um, you know, uh, being with, with the Debonairs, you know, I, I couldn't wait. I, I saw, saw them play, you know, was just in awe. As soon as they got off the stage, I, I ran to Kip. You know, he's over here putting away saxophone. I'm over here asking for a picture. Uh, same thing with Jason and Mike. I still got the pictures, guys. Uh, still have them. Um, and that's where I just... Mm -hmm. uh you know i just i just kept playing complaining and i would see mono at the mission tobacco lounge sometimes i'd screw around be like hey dude you want a saxophone player uh, you know i'm here if you want anything and just one day were you met with were you met with rejection at first when you asked oh absolutely me? oh absolutely <laughs> you know that i was joking i didn't know <laughs> never fathomed the idea i just always just screwing around beer in my hand hey debonair saxophone <laughs> let's go um and you can tell him he doesn't like alto players. So I, I'll play the alto for you. No, we don't want an alto player in the band. All right. That's cool. I can do tenor maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, I tried that. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's sort of, it's working. 
Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, but 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 being part of the band, you know, finally 2013. 2013 was the magic year. Yes. Um, and what they had just mentioned um, with Tom just earlier about just his his uh, his charisma, right? His character. He was the first person I met. I think uh, you know Mike was there uh, living with Tom at the time. And I just, I went straight to the garage with Tom. So did you practice the music? Uh, yeah, man. Okay. Play it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So, you know, here I am, have no idea who Tom is. I have no idea who Mike is. I, I met Mono. It's the first guy I met. And... So yeah, we, we get together, we start learning the, uh, the horn lines and then it's just all history from there, but it's been an absolute blessing uh, working with these guys, being able to share the stage with them. Um, and it's to the point now where I get to do exactly what they've done to me in terms of inspire through their music. Because now I have students, children of my own, debonairs, debonairs. <laughs> oh, it's Mr. Ronquillo, Debonairs. I'm like, yes, you know, they, they love the music. I've been able to pass it along. And it's all because these guys have been so influential, not just in the Riverside area, but just in general with their taste in music, their dapper persona. Um, but it, it's been definitely a ride. <laughs> okay, but it seems as if the cat took your tongue in our talking tonight. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your background, your family upbringing. Who Me? are some of your influences? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm picking on you. Yeah. You can okay. Well, from where you are. <laughs> well, I was. I'm. I'm originally from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, oh. Born and raised uh, right in the Midwest. Uh, moved to Colorado for a while, and from Colorado moved to uh, Riverside, California, uh, came out here in 86, um, uh, didn't really know anybody, came from a, a really strange culture <clears throat> to uh, this culture, completely different. Midwest life is a little bit slower than, uh, uh, let's say, the West Coast here. Um, so I started school here. Uh, I played basketball every single day. Uh, I couldn't believe that you could play basketball at lunchtime and, you know, there's no snow and no seasons. Uh, I wasn't really used to that. Uh, I played, I played basketball on lunch at lunchtime with flip flops on. I couldn't believe it. You could do that kind of thing. So <laughs> I played a lot of basketball <laughs> when I got here. Um, I, I have a punk rock upbringing, um, I grew up with classic rock. We didn't have a real a whole lot of soul music uh, in the Midwest. I, I just didn't grow up around it uh, until I came out here, and that's where I really got into the oldies and you know started finding out more about this uh, West Coast punk rock thing. I didn't realize that most of the bands that I listened to were from here, either in up north California or somewhere around here in the Bay. But uh, and during high school, I really got into a band called Fishbone. Uh, one of my friends got me, you know, hit me to them. And uh, one of my other friends, who's, his name's Joey Hernandez, uh, played with uh, this band called Voodoo Glow Skulls. 
and we would trade tapes and talk about he would talk about a saxophone and i would talk about you know music that i liked and he's like hey how about a mixtape and it was, had a bunch of two-tone stuff on it and i said what the hell is this i said i'm i'm digging this i was like wow horns sort of punk rock i'm all about it you know so never really been a jazzer so mm. um so you know in high school uh you know i played i played a little bit of music in high school i played in a jazz band and uh, i marched for uh, a quick minute and uh as soon as i got out of high school i then started playing with other bands and meeting people at college and uh, sort of almost before I got into college, I was going to shows, Spankies, and uh, a lot of other local shows in town. And uh, but really, when I got into college, is really when I started hitting the scene. And um, uh, Paul Hampton from the Skeletons asked me, you know, hey, you think you might want to play sax for us? I was like, nah, you know, I had gotten an accident a few years earlier and I was having surgery on my shoulder and I, I just was like, I, I can't do it right now. And then he kept bugging me like, Hey man, we need a saxophone player. We need a saxophone player. And so uh, I eventually ended up playing with him, uh, you know, started playing with Skeletones. And at that same time, I was also playing with uh, this band called uh, Orange Street. So Orange Street, uh, you can you can find Orr Street on an old old Lewis compilation, Steady Beat compilation. Uh, I played with uh, Lucky Seven for a quick minute, uh, and then I was playing with the Skeletons for a while, and then uh, I started playing with the Dynamics. Uh, did some work with them for a minute, and then uh, uh, like probably may, maybe probably 93 or 94 uh, I started hanging out with Tony Green which is Jason's cousin um, his sister we went to school together so we used to hang out and we were partying it was it was probably Bernie Garcia her and a couple of other friends and so we were always hanging out getting wild you know and going to going to ska shows and you know just running all over the place and uh, really, Bernie Garcia, I spent a lot of time with Bernie Garcia, and, and uh, he's the one who was like, you know, always trying to get me to play with all these bands. Like, hey, there's this band over here. Do you want to play some something on them? I'll hook it up for you. Just come with me. I'll drive you. You know, so he would he would drive me to the shows, and uh, he would hook me up with uh, whoever wanted, you know, you need a little saxophone, you know, and so I, I would mess around with them. And then with the debonairs, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you should, you should come hang out with these guys. And I said, oh, well, uh, Mike and Jason like to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and at the, at the time, Mike was living in this little apartment uh, over, by, over by UCR. I think that was, isn't that where you lived? Over yep. by UCR? Yeah. With your brother over there? My brother. I, I don't know. Uh, Tom for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Tom. And so I would go over there and uh, play basketball with, you know, get a crew out there and play basketball because you had a, a pretty nice court back there. And uh, 
So that, that was pretty fun. I, I think that's probably when I started getting like, yeah, oh, you know, man, we had to hang out with these guys a little bit more. And uh, I think, uh, I think I was back from a tour or something. And I can't, I can't remember if Bernie was like, Hey, you need to, or if it was Tony was like, Hey, we're in the studio. You want to come down and mess around, you know, back up vocals or some junk like that. And I was like, Oh yeah, sure. You know, I'm not doing anything, you know, no job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just running around in the street. So uh, I said, yeah, sure. So uh, I think what was like third floor, third floor recording some oh, yeah. weird <laughs> third some floor studios some yeah. third floor studios some some strange place and uh you know it's really like uh progressive rock type place you know <laughs> i don't remember what it was all about but it was it like, was like a, it was a room on everything yeah, yeah. Like a three-story uh condo or home and they yeah. had i mean like setting up amps in the bathroom so yeah. when someone's going to the bathroom you're picking it up and it was yeah it was weird yes yeah, but that was our yeah. first album but yeah i remember when you recorded on that we were just in awe of your vocal range and just yeah i remember playing because you you sang that maybe it was like a 20 second clip at the end of one of the songs and i just yeah. play that part over and over like man <laughs> yeah that was, that was it was it was it was a lot of fun. I had a really good time playing with you guys. Somehow you're fading in the uh, background. I'm not sure if it's deliberate or right. Uh, there you go. All right. No, we can see. I'm, I think. Yeah. This is for posterity. You know, hundred years from now, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> we want to see you. But Ryan, you haven't said much. I think we have spoken for you, but you haven't said much about your upbringing, your parenting. Oh yeah, I'm also I'm also the music you're listening to at home. Huh? Born and raised in Riverside, and. Uh, parents also Riverside and I think uh you know the first time I you know I know I go back with Mono and Mike to uh, junior high in fact the first time I met Mike I was in sixth grade and I got in a fight with him (laughs) (laughs) playing basketball we got in a fight there you go (laughs) I don't remember this (laughs) (laughs) and uh Mike won but uh anyway fight or the game (laughs) Uh, so then zoom forward uh, I think I started I got into reggae a little bit um, my I had a babysitter that played reggae and she would lay out and play Bob Marley and I was probably about nine years old and I said what is that really beautiful music she goes oh that's Bob Marley and so I went out and bought the bought a Bob Marley cassette and I listened to that cassette nonstop. and then when I met Mono and Mike in eighth grade, I remember I played him that cassette. I'm like, check out, check this out. And they were like, ah, oh, that's all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, anyway, I, uh, me and Mike joined a punk band. And, and during that time, around 95, 96, uh, a lot of kids in high school, they were kind of searching for their identity. You know, so one person would be a rude boy. One person would be, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a skater. I'm a rude boy. I'm a, I'm a skinhead, you know, and and so one day, hey, I'm a rude boy. Oh, the next day, hey, you're dressed differently. Oh, oh today I'm a skinhead. Yesterday I was a rude boy. <laughs> it was, uh, at the time, Mono had a had a jacket and he had all these pins on it. And I said, Well, that's pretty cool. Are those like different bands. And he said, Yeah, this is this band's called Hepcat. This one is, you know, like a skeletons. And I said, Oh, cool. Is that uh he's like, Yeah, I'm a rude boy. 
<laughs> I said, okay, that's cool, man. Uh, and he said, hey, check. He gave me a CD. He said, check out this CD. It's called Hepcat. It was Hepcat's uh, first album, Out of Nowhere. I took that home and and I listened to that thing nonstop, you know. And at the time, I also was very much into the Skeletones, uh, too. Kip doesn't know this, but I was pretty starstruck whenever he became our lead singer. And I was pretty intimidated. Uh, but anyway, so uh, for me, it was uh, the same kind of journey where I kind of got into sort of two-tone uh, ska and then was introduced to, oh, this is traditional ska. This is where this, is where this music originally originated from, and as a lot of people got into it. And uh, next thing I know, I'm, you know, playing in the Debonairs, at a, you know, one of our first practices, and we, I think we learned a couple covers, Perfidia, uh, was one of them and at that point I knew that I was going to be in this band for the next 40 years and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here you are now <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I, I also want to talk about you know just briefly your parents and acceptance did they accept you guys playing this what I would call foreign music uh, on the offbeat how your parents reacted <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of musicians in my family, so uh, I, th I think it more had to do with uh, not having a real job type job for me. Yeah. Uh, straight out of high school, I tried the college thing and it didn't really work out for me so much uh, because I was on the road playing shows and, and I lived on my parents' couch for, uh, you know, coming back from a tour and, you know, I, I, I tried to keep an apartment. It was like, probably like $50 a month, but it smelled like cat pee. And I didn't really, I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. I tried to be out and about playing shows and getting in the mix and, you know, so, but my parents, uh, you know, they, they support me and uh, are as much as they can, they know I'm going to do what I'm going to, I was going to do what I wanted to do anyway. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure they're not really all that happy that I didn't stick with the school, but uh, you know, I, I didn't go to jail. There you go. There you go. That's, How about you, Woody? That's good. Uh, kind, of, kind of the same thing. I mean, uh, you know, my father was a musician. Um, and so I, you know, it was always accepted, whatever I played, you know, because I, I, you know, I played in punk rock bands too and rock bands and that kind of thing. So it was just the next band that I was in. And, um, you know, my mom was super diverse, you know, always played uh you know bob marley from the time i was you know three years old i can remember you know wow. so yeah that, that that was never an issue for me but i think some of the other guys might have had more stuff i know we rehearsed at mono's house and his parents were always super accepting and and, and wow. loved it yeah they they were they were supportive definitely we would practice there and they'd let us leave our gear set up and in, in the living room and Wow. That was cool too because the drums would be there, <laughs> so I'd try to mess around uh, playing ska drums, playing along to like C Spot and Hepcat and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, I think um, I think all of our folks had to be um, at least accepting because you know we were 15, 16 years old yeah. playing playing the whiskey and Hollywood and all that stuff. You know sometimes um coming you know coming home two in the morning or whatever you know 
it, it was it we're, we were lucky to have that support for sure mm -hmm. at such a young age you know mm -hmm. yeah anybody else want anybody want to add anything to that parents acceptance and what kind of music just, i mean yeah just they had a lot of trust in us you know uh Kip was talking, I almost called you Hank. Kip was talking about his, his friend Bernie, you know, who ended up, we used to always call Bernie the Scott father because he was like kind of a father to the band in our early days. And he was the first to buy like a Dodge or maybe, I don't know, it was a Ford, you know, 15 passenger van. Um, and he would take us, you know, all around California and, you know, on these weekender, you know, adventures and all our parents are always down with it. So a lot of trust in him stranger who they didn't even know or you know really meet and then in us you know as well so yeah we were really fortunate you know it's funny it's uh i was back i was back in the midwest a couple of weeks ago uh, my grandmother passed away and uh so i was back there you know seeing family and it's been a while since i've seen a lot of people but uh, at the at the service uh, a couple people came up to me and they said, you know what? I, I remember your grandmother telling me about you showing up with a whole bunch of people in a band <laughs> in the middle of the farm. And, you know, I mean, that those stories, I mean, all those people know about, you know, the debonairs coming out to the, to the farm you know, they saw that my grandma had, you know, debonair's pictures up in her house and my grandma had a lot of people in her house. So, you know, all these uh, youth services she used to have. So all these kids would come over and it's like, who are these guys? You know, like everybody's got mohawks and, you know, like running around <laughs> with yeah. bib overalls on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But yeah, even to this day, I mean, that was that was well over 10 years ago that we went out to the farm and uh, you know, people still talk about that. So I mean, it's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. That was a good feeling when I was back there. So. That was such a good memory from tour was, was staying on the farm. And that was so foreign to so many of us who are just from suburban, you know, Riverside and thrown on Orvalls. And like you said, trudging through, you know, corn stalks <laughs> and whatnot. Um, but yeah, even, even, you know, later on in our career, when we, when we started touring, and I guess that was like with the mid 2000s, 2004, 2005. Um, yeah. So much of our family supported us on the road and we were able to stay with a lot of family and kind of recharge our batteries like after, you know, touring for a couple of weeks straight, get a home cooked meal. So, yeah, your grandmother, that was that was a really nice time of the trip. Yeah, it was a cool stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. So, um, Maybe we should talk a little bit about Jason. It's got to be lots of memory. Was he on tour with you guys to the Midwest and yeah, Northeast and yeah, elsewhere? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I uh, I'll I'll give kind of the background of how he came in. We kind of touched on it already that um, him and Tony, our original singer Tony Green, um, they're cousins um they were also both into skateboarding too um so jason went to north and tony went to Polly with us um so he would tell me about oh my cousin yeah north, he's meaning in, high school 
Yeah, North High yeah. School. Yeah. He was like, yeah, my cousin, he's a, he's a dub skater. He's he's a, he's a bass player. He's, uh, you know, you should meet him. So I, I remember um, in the early days going over to uh, Tony lived in an apartment with his mom in downtown Riverside and going down there and um, <laughs> and skating with Jason and hanging out and playing Scott Lights records and and all that stuff. And uh, Jason was always kind of, um, he, he's a little bit stoic, I guess. Like he was, re- he was really quiet, especially when I first met him too. But, um, but was just really good at everything that he did, you know? And, um, and, it, and, and it was just kind of, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It was just, it, I kind of gravitated towards, I, I, I respected him, you know, I admired the person that he was so yeah. when he came on board in, in the band it kind of um kind of like how we were talking about tom uh kind of keeping the the horns in line like jason he'd have no problem critiquing the other guys in the band or, <laughs> or, or he's maybe. a time he was a timekeeper yeah yeah and it was, mm-hmm. yeah and and he loved the music he really had a passion for it and he and he 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 respected its authenticity and you know he wanted us to to kind of you know maintain that integrity uh through our music you know i i think um i, I mean our early days some of the stuff was pretty <laughs> cheesy poppy you know what i mean but I, I think by the time we got to our second album we kind of had a more mature sound and 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 his songwriting everything else came through in that. I think he kind of helped elevate us to the next level. And he also wasn't afraid to play other music. You know, he'd write reggae songs or we'd experiment with some dub tracks or things like that. It wasn't just always just ska either. But anybody else want to share uh, memories of? He was definitely the most prolific writer, I think, of all of us. It was hard to keep up with the amount of songs he would bring to the table. Mm. Um, you know, he would be like, I got five songs, you know, kind of been working on you're like, oh my gosh, like, all right, let's start rolling <laughs> yeah. them out. Um, and I always appreciated he was always very receptive when other people came to the table. I think being the songwriter <laughs> he was, you know, it's always a little bit, you always feel a little bit vulnerable showing other people your songs and, you know, a part of your soul. And so I always felt comfortable, you know, showing him my stuff. And I think he was very good about, you know, having an open ear anytime someone was like, Oh, let's, can we try this song? Um, so as much as, you know, as much as a ball buster as Jason could be, he was like the ultimate, you know, um, trash talker in the band. Like, mm. like he, he, he always knew when to get serious and, you know, when you, you know, when it was important. Um, yeah well like when he would write songs you know um different you know depends on who's writing the song right sometimes people would come with an idea maybe just a riff maybe just lyrics may you know maybe even just a thought but jason would pretty much have kind of what he imagined um the song would sound like to where he would be like woody you know i was thinking the drums would go like this and then maybe right here go to like that and um like like what mike said though he was also you know um encouraged like he would give an idea but if you kind of worked with it 
you know, it wasn't, he wasn't a stickler in that sense, but yeah, I mean, he would say, you know, mono, here's how, what the guitar part, you know, and Ryan, you know, that kind of thing. And pretty much would have a whole complete song and just the rehearsal would be him kind of translating that to us and then us interpreting that and putting it out the way we all, you know, add to our own bit of it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like Mike said, he would come with three, four or five songs sometimes and be reggae it would be skinhead reggae a ska song and even a rock set metals vocals yeah <laughs> soul oh i wrote this soul song out of nowhere you know <laughs> yeah. so. quite a talent yeah for exactly. sure so how is the band going to preserve his legacy his memory for posterity yeah that actually would kind of build on what what Woody was saying about him bringing um, songs and stuff. So, I mean, we, we've been together so long and, and in order to do that, you know, it's, it, sometimes it can be a long time that we're not getting together. Sometimes we regain focus or if we have a goal, you know, that we're trying to accomplish then you know, it, things start to, to, to work um, more cohesively. So, after we had gone to Europe in 2018, which like I'm saying, we have to rehearse to go there, play shows to, to, to raise funds. By, by the, by the time we came back, we started just rehearsing and focusing on music. And Jason again was bringing all these songs. So we, we were, everybody was, was bringing different song ideas and we were just focused on that. We weren't as interested in playing live shows and that that's right when the pandemic hit and everything and so then that had to kind of be on pause and and at the same time you know jason was already dealing with cancer you know he's a very private person and you know a, a lot of people knew what he was going through but uh, you know a lot of people didn't especially people in the scene who may not have known him on a you know day-to-day -day basis and stuff so so we have these songs that that he's written and I, I think we all want to you know record those and and put them out um so that we can still share his music with everybody you know um his wife even sent us lyrics to a song that he wrote um more recently um when when he wasn't doing so well and he never you know sing a melody for us or anything like that it's literally just words on paper and you know trying to interpret something like that maybe how we think he would maybe want it to sound or something um you know so i i think that that that's the immediate goal is definitely to to um to d just get his music out there that hasn't been recorded and released yet mm -hmm. you know if i can misquote uh james baldwin he once said that um, you know, everyone that diminishes him. But boy, this one really devastated the whole reggae and scare rock steady community here in Southern California. He's passing at such a young age. Yeah. You can tell from the response, you know, people who, I mean, people turn out in droves to um, pay homage to him. Yeah. There is, uh, but um, yeah. I I definitely, when we, you know, we did that show, um, yeah, it was it was 
definitely like a big reunion. A lot of people, like, like you said, people we hadn't seen in years and years and mm-hmm. everybody said, yeah, we wanted to make sure we were here and, you know, support the cause and, and, and all that stuff. And I think, I think a lot of us were actually even taken back by it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I mean, I know I was like, wow, you know, um, you know, he has had quite the impact and it kind of makes you even step back and reflect. And, um, you know, I, I was really close with him. And so kind of that closeness, you don't um, always see what other people see. And, you know, I, I, I tried to take a step back and go, wow, you know, man, like, yeah, this guy's a, is actually a fucking powerhouse, you know, like, Jesus. <laughs> and, and, and I think I feel like maybe I didn't even realize it at the time. You just get used to somebody being, um, you know, delivering the goods on, on that level. So, it, you know, you don't think about it. But if you take a second, it's like, damn, yeah, he wrote a whole bunch of our stuff. So mm-hmm. and, and had a big impact, whether it's even, hey, you know, I didn't write the song, but we should maybe do this or that, you know. So mm-hmm. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also meant a lot to us to have uh, Jesse Wagner and Chris Murray and them to come out and, and perform. Uh, that was just, it kind of shows the love that, that we have as a community and ska scene. So we're just, it means a lot to us. We're very thankful for that too. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, and, and, and Cheekies, you know, Absolutely. we all know yeah. Cheekies, Hepcat, and all the, that good stuff, uh, expanders and everything. Um, yeah, he, he was just like, man, you know, I, I played for so many different bands and different, you know, sub for musicians here and there. said, Jason <clears throat> keeps me on my toes when I'm trying to, you know, play songs with you guys. Uh, so <laughs> That was one of the most memorable moments from rehearsing for that show was just Cheeky's compliment yeah. Jason's mm-hmm. line over yeah, and yeah. over. Yeah, he kept saying the intensity of his music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember him saying that even on stage. Mm-hmm. So this is genuine. This is genuine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was also a very um, versatile musician, and he had a really eclectic taste in music. So he played in other bands, also, um, you know, ro- rock and roll bands. He he toured with Roddy Radiation and the Scott Billy mm-hmm. Rebels, and um, you know, um, our, our friends, the Electric Howlers, and. <laughs> He even played in. He even played as kind of like a, a hired gun, you know, at, with with Woody in in groups that that play, you know, regular gigs throughout the Inland Empire and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. he, he he was always playing. So even if Debs were on a little break or or whatever, he was still playing music. So when we had that event for him and seeing all these different people from all these different backgrounds and how much he's influenced them um and brought them all together it was it was really beautiful Mm -hmm. so so i want to talk a little bit about uh the devonaires uh taking you back to the beginning when you guys first got introduced to the los angeles cassine were you guys accepted or rejected uh (laughs) what was it like then Anybody want to? We're talking about <laughs> Let's do some memory juggling here. Uh, I, I would, I would say so. Um, yeah, you know, we're coming from Riverside, so it's kind of an outsider. You know, we're still Southern California. There, there's other bands from Riverside, like Kip, Kip mentioned, like uh, 
you know, voodoo glow skulls and skeletons and, and stuff like that. But um, I first, I don't even remember how I met Luis, but we got it in, in contact somehow, you know, and, and as I said to in 95, it was getting right into the height of the, the steady beat scene, you know, sort of 95 through 98. Um, but we were not there in the years prior to shows he was doing at like um, Hong Kong Cafe and, and, and places like that. Um, so we, we were and we were also so young. So we were always the opening band. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the pay would be little to none. And we, you know, drive out to L.A. to play, you know, a 30 minute set. And um, but it was like a dream come true for us, because yeah. at that time we loved all those bands. We loved the scene. And um, I think as as years went by um, and we kind of gained the respect of, you know, the other bands and then ended up becoming great friends and it's 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 a family you know the la ska scene and they're very accepting of their riverside brothers now you know um i think maybe in the early days it was you know maybe not as accepted and especially with the whole skinhead scene too like it had kind of a the riverside skins and all that versus the la ones and stuff so we got kind of sucked into that too a little bit but <laughs> having, having some members that were part of that clarify what do you mean sucked in well we had you know jason was a skinhead tony and and dave also and that's a whole other scene it's a you know mm. a, 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 a scene within the ska scene you know mm -hmm. so if there's any drama going on with that and they're in the band and they're in the, all that stuff it, you know mm -hmm. it, it comes back on us a little bit too yes it's, uh, i uh and of course somebody gonna add something is so many so many of you guys so wonderful you know we're really experimenting we never had so many people on i'll be switching over to my producer yeah. momentarily but i want to ask though really and truly in a very serious and profoundly serious way what was it like sharing the stage with some of the top shelf artists like the scatterlights and and there's a long list of artists you know from the foundation that you've shared the stage with uh, it, the list is so long, I was trying to memorize them. I knew it wouldn't work. So I'm going to ask you guys to tell us about some of the people you've shared this stage with. It's more legend, legends now. I, yeah. I, I, would have to, I would have to say any, any show that I ever played opening up for, for the Scatlights. I mean, at, in, with however many members were around at the time, but... Uh, my my first show at with the opening up for the Scatlights was at the Whiskey A Go Go, and then Lloyd Brevard was there, uh, Tommy McCook, Ron Alfonso. Uh, yeah, I, it was. I mean, Lloyd Niz was everybody. Everybody was there, and, and it was. And I jumped off stage and started doing some stupid thing out on the floor. But <laughs> you know, I mean, I was young. I was, I was, I was so excited, and I just sat off. And, and all these people are looking at me like, what an idiot. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. 
<laughs> but but that was it was a huge show we opened it up yes it was uh, let's go bowling uh long uh uh hip cap played uh and sky lights played and i don't know why we opened but we did i think maybe lucky seven played it too i can't i can't remember or maybe a scandal or some there was another band that played that and uh but meeting all those guys for the first time uh that was just amazing to me. I, I think. So that apart was, from Roberto, who is a relatively new member, I think all of your work at the Legends, um, one point or another, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and uh, me and Mike also played in the LA All Star Review, where we we backed up um, some legends. I think one of the earlier ones that we did was um, we played with Justin Hines in. Um, Pasadena at yeah. the lot. That that was a, a really memorable one when we were in high school too. I mean, and of course the Scottalites, we had some good times with them taking shots with Dorian Schaefer and, <laughs> and uh, it's sort of a trip because every every one of them has their own personality. Oh, yeah. So you never know, like uh, you know, is he cool or or, or is he you know so um but it, it would, it, it, for one thing, definitely helps um, elevate our level of musicianship, I would say, because especially if you're backing somebody, you, you want it to sound as authentic to the original songs as possible. And LA has always been known for that worldwide, for especially, you know, having that, that sound. But that that was I mean it's just been a dream come true. I mean even you know the the some of these records in the back I've gotten signed like we played with Laurel Aitken at the barn in '97. Um, Phyllis Dillon, did we play the Phyllis Dillon show? Phyllis Phyllis yeah. Dillon at the whiskey. That was one that whiskey. I was pretty like whoa. Yeah. Um, Desmond Decker in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, we played with Desmond. Yeah, Decker. That was great. Desmond Decker. That was that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, thanks to Chuck Wren, he hooked that one up. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's amazing, and thanks to people like you, Junior, and and Eric bringing them out. And I mean, it's been truly a dream come true. I mean, yeah, it's not not every not every music scene that's around today, or people are able to do that. You know, with the originators of that sound. I mean, that's been one of the true blessings in the in the southern california ska scene for sure so you guys were ex extremely fortunate because you you played with justin Hines, so that was way early in your career yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. queen p uh her band yeah ocean 11 yes. ocean 11 yeah uh -huh. right 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 yeah. so that was early in your career even that i was yeah i was super excited to meet her and and ocean 11 because they they had been in a hiatus when we first started playing and yeah. i had that cd i let everybody borrow it. i still have it and uh it just blew me away you know the 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 way they made their recording sound old or they i mean it's some of them you can barely differentiate between the originals or not so even though they're a contemporary or at the time you know contemporary la band I was super excited to even meet them or the guys from Hepcat and C-Spot and everything, you know, the, we were still, I was still idolizing those guys too, you know? Absolutely. 
Yeah. I still can't believe that's Alex Desaire singing Let's Start Again on the yeah. NFL. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah, we would nerd out on stuff like that, me and Mike and all that. I mean, that's kind of a fun thing about the scene, you know. Mm-hmm. And and all these projects that people do even now, like you know, stuff like uh I mean we 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 love like you know, dynamic pressure, the sand dollars and and um Bob Town. Yeah, Mob Town, it's also Wally and everybody. Yeah, it's crazy now. Oh, yeah. They're all just like our friends, our brothers and stuff. You know, we all grew up together. So today, uh, three album, three full-length albums to the credit of uh, the Debonairs and multiple singles. We have four four full lengths if full you length. want to count the, the first album we did with Tony Green when we were still in high school. Well, of course, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh the older we get, the longer it takes for us to release stuff. But, but the, as I mentioned about trying to record new stuff, I think we're interested in trying to release more singles versus doing a whole album just mm. to get, get it out there sooner. Right. Well, I, I think I had to introduce um my good friend and producer, Eric Kohler. Gentlemen. Been waiting anxiously to sure. join the conversation. Thank you. Uh, guys, for, first, I, I just want to say how much, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for, for the loss of Jason and, you know, mm. your good friend and, and bandmate. So uh, my condolences, um, you know, I, I didn't, I had some interaction with him over the years, like you all, and Nothing, nothing but positive things to say, and, and definitely want to ask you a few questions about Jason here uh, uh, in a minute. Um, but I, I do want to touch on a couple things that that, and I think we one of the last things you talked about was the scene. And Kip, since since you were on the scene earlier than 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 your uh, uh, than your other bandmates here, um, how did the uh, I'm old too, just like you. Um, how did the uh, um, how did the scene evolve? You mentioned a few bands like like Orange Street, Lucky Seven, The Scandals, which which those bands were around, um, you know, maybe more so in the late '80s, early '90s, right? Not so much in the mid '90s onward. But yeah, but how did the scene um, evolve and change? Like, what are the main differences between the scene from from your standpoint, from when you got into it, to maybe then when you joined the Debonairs? Uh, I think, I think. What happened was, you know, the MTV generation started to change things. Uh, you know, most most of the reggae music that you would hear would be on, you know, uh, KSBC or you know, some you know, college radio. That's that's usually where you would hear, you know, the kind of music you'd want to, you know, whether it be late night punk rock or late night ska show or reggae show or something like that. And, you know, most people that were into the scene were hanging out listening to those radio shows um you know when you talk to tito ted you know i mean he he talks about that era and how how the scene sort of grew up uh, and uh i think with the with mtv getting on board with some more alternative type music uh throwing some bob marley videos in there some live you know some live concert footage and stuff like that. i think people started to get interested and in it uh uh i don't california's such a melting pot 
and, and it's this huge music scene, all different types, and, and a lot of crossover here, more so here than you would see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start, so you start seeing bands that are uh, like Fishbone, who are, uh, you know, are f- good friends with other types of bands, and you know, it's they start to influence each other. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sh- I'm sure Fishbone's influenced a countless amount of bands over the years and you know a lot of bands are really popular probably because of that said band and uh you know i mean there's i think in the 90s what happened is as people really started uh you know i think the labels might have found something some kind of pop something that they could jump on and make a quick buck you know, um, <clears throat> and uh, it just got so big so quick, and and it, it sort of it kept it kept the traditional sound. Uh, it brought in a lot of people, but uh, it was such a tight knit community back in the early days. You know, uh, was a lot smaller scene, and I mean, even the big shows were. I mean, they, they weren't super super big, but. You know, as you got into the 90s, I mean, these guys were playing like really, really big shows. I mean, yeah. Selector played the Rivers. When the Selector played Riverside, it was, I mean, it was like uh, a huge convention center, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, I mean, when those bigger bands, and then, you know, later on when Madness came out, I guess mm-hmm. that was probably post 2000, but um, it, it, it was actually a huge, huge scene. Yeah, and that's actually a great point. I mean, when, when a lot of artists play Southern California, right? I mean, because of radius clauses, you know, they can play LA and oftentimes they can play out there in, in Riverside. So, so you all were pretty fortunate to be able to see whether it was the barn or, or, or showcase, right? And some of those other venues out there, really able to see the two-tone bands and some of the legends, right? That would pass through town. Yeah. Yeah. And then we yeah. got a- we got to open for them too. Right. Yeah. 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 Perfect so it'd be, <clears throat> I remember when Jim, I remember Jimmy yeah. Cliff coming to Riverside at the. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was surreal, and there weren't. It wasn't a huge turnout because it was right. Riverside, and you know, slightly outside of his market, and it was just amazing to be able to stand right in front of the stage. And right, I can. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Well, that's that's how this last show was with Toots. When Toots was out here, he played Riverside at the Fox Theater. And, you know, I mean, I, I thought it would just be sold out. But, uh, you know, it, I mean, it's just a sort of slow market. And you'd think that uh, Toots, you know, with, uh, you know, all his, his Nelson friends and, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's huge, you know. So I'm, I'm just surprised that, you know, it still has a long way to go uh to become like really a popular type of music you know and they'll get there one day yes yes um let's go back and talk about um la all-star review um persephone queen p who we all know um you know loves and consider you all family how did that come together the la all-star review and 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 a couple of those concerts that you uh, that you talked about um there's Here's one of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think is might be down there, right? Yeah. That was incredible. Um, the other one here. 
the other one, other legend show, right? Yeah. Um, but, but how did that come together? Um, Jason played in the All-Star Review also. Um, I, I don't remember. I know, yeah, Queen P was pretty much the one that put it together. Um, she's, she's kind of been like, um, I don't know, like uh, kind of a band mom or something like for it. Like she, <laughs> she, she always like, especially when we first met, like I remember really the first time hanging out with her, like was at that Justin Hines show. And she was just like, you guys are so young. You're so young, you know, like, um, but she always like had a certain level of respect for us and a lot of love for us as a band and, and as people and stuff like that. And, um, and uh, her giving us, asking us to play, I think that also kind of bridged a, a gap in, in a way between Riverside and the LA sure. scene because we had like, you know, that definitely made us feel accepted, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and being able to to play with musicians like that also, because as I said, when we started, we all were kind of also learning our instruments at the time too. Um, not all of us are like, you know, have had professional, you know, training on 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 how to play. So when you get put in a situation like that with professionals, you know, to, to at least to, to, to us, like, um, you have to kind of hold your own, you know? So, uh, I think also that was kind of post, um, Blue Beat Lounge. Yeah, correct. You know, so that was kind of the next phase of the, the LA scene. Right. right. You know, when the steady beat stuff kind of died out. Yeah. Um, and then the Blue Beat stuff came around. That was when a, a lot of us were off on, at college and all that kind of stuff. And then and then when, when we were finished with school was when we started touring and everything. So by the time these shows started coming around, um, I was around 2008, 2007, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah, probably between between five, 2005 and 2008. 2009. Yeah, so I feel like those shows also brought out a lot of um, people who were in the scene back in the in the mid and late 90s, mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah. wow, these legends are playing too. Right, you know? right. so, um, but going back to the LA also review, um, we actually recorded like 13 songs or something like that. Um, wow. Yeah. And I've never heard them. Oh, who? <laughs> who was the producer? Huh? Uh, we recorded it with um, with Ray Danger from Ocean Eleven. Yeah. You mean the, the Debonese, the entire band? No, the LA All Star. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Original or covers? No, they were covers. We had one. We had one original i think what the fire song that the expanders guys wrote okay yeah okay yeah that's the one i actually have uh somewhere. yeah we have a recording of that it sounds great yeah and then um and then chris murray had done heaven originally with them too uh but you know we had all the people like you know it's all it's a review so yeah, people from different bands singing sure, a couple sure. songs. But we I I remember I think yeah, we had the ones with Chuck 
um, from C Spot seeing and I think Malik. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the expanders one and uh, yeah, Queen P. I, it's it's been so long. I, I don't remember all the songs that we did, but I would love to hear those recordings. Yeah, we all would. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, didn't Bill Purdy play keys on on some? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. Bill was on there. Narvis was on drums. Which, yeah. I mean, you know, just getting to play with him was such yeah. an honor and so yeah. much, so much pressure. Which you're like, oh my gosh, he's like, you know, we're like us greatest drummer in the scene, and yeah. but yeah. he's such a such a cool down to earth dude. He, you know, he definitely. The pressure went away after a while. You're like, all right, yeah, he's right. Cool. yeah, no, hundred uh, uh, yeah. percent. How was um, how was Jason playing with the legends? Uh, any stories uh, from rehearsals or from the shows? Anything that's memorable? <laughs> I mean, I, I always remember driving down like in the van to rehearsal. Like we, you know, Debs used to have a big old fifteen passenger van, and we come out to L.A. for these rehearsals. And I remember whoever wasn't driving you know that we, we wanted to make sure that we killed it and did our part so we would have our instruments out in the van like <laughs> with our ear pods in or playing it and like trying to play along and me and jason would be like all right let's do that part over again let's do that part over again um so i have vivid memories of that i'm just prepping for those sessions yeah yeah that's that's cool uh, yeah um let's talk about the revivers so so because because the band revivers share a few right with with you all yeah yeah me mike and uh tom plays organ and then tony the debonair's original singer sings um brent uh the drummer he's a he's a another riverside local who he's a few years younger than us so he kind of grew up seeing debonair's play and everything too he's always been a big fan and a, a really cool, you know, friend. So it, it, it's been great to play with him too. Um, but yeah, we, we just, uh, I don't know. I think some of us have always just liked skinhead reggae, you mm -hmm. know, and um, debonairs, we've had a couple of songs like, you know, but definitely not known as like for our skinhead reggae. And um just wanted to do something fun uh i don't remember exactly how that i think i don't remember if i think tony might have gotten back in touch with us because after the early years like we didn't hear from him for for a while you know and then when he kind of came back around and then he wanted to do that and we're like okay we're just gonna play covers of old songs and that sounds super fun you know yeah it was a little less common i think to like there's been a lot of other bands who who have done it but i don't know about just a skinhead reggae tribute band right right so That's to speak, point. You know? yeah um but yeah it's just just playing that different style it has a whole other groove to it you know and uh and yeah tom transitioning from trombone to keys oh okay. that, that was awesome too yeah and i, I lived <laughs> with tom you know during those years um, i lived with tom for uh four years or so and those were the years when he was learning to play keys and i mean you know once tom gets <laughs> fixated on something once he sets his mind to it i mean he almost burned the house down i remember because he put on like he was boiling water for tea or something and then went out and turned that organ on 
And he didn't come back for a couple hours back in the house. And I came out and all that water was gone. <laughs> that pot was just smoking red. Um, but yeah, I mean, he would, he would live out in the garage and practice for literally, you know, eight hours straight or so on the Oregon. Um, I picked uh, it up um, pretty quick. I remember Junior telling me that, oh, Tom, that Tom is starting to play Oregon. So and I said, what? I mean, he's an incredible trombonist. And yeah. he said, you should, you, should, you should hear him play Oregon. Like I was. I uh, thought maybe he learned in the army or somewhere. I didn't know he did just more. <laughs> I mean, yeah. talk about just, just foreign talent. Uh, yeah, and I will say this about the Revivors. You all saved. So, so this Haiti Relief concert. Oh, yeah. Um, for, for our viewers and listeners and, and, and you guys who may not know. So Junior and I and, and, and our friend Sean Heikemper, we, we helped put this together along with Operation USA after the big Haiti earthquake. And, and originally Joey Altruda um, was supposed to put together a backing band to, to back, I have to look up here, uh, Pipe and Bread from the Wailing Souls, Ross Michael, mm-hmm. Angelo Norwood, um, Elon, LJ, and uh, Ja Faith. So it was kind of like a, you know, uh, a couple songs by each of those uh, artists. Joey, I think it was when he was, he had already moved down to South America, I think for a little while. Um, and I don't think he was able to come back in time. So literally, I think with maybe a week's notice, Madam, does that sound about right? Yeah, probably around there, yeah. I think I think I might have asked Persephone like I'm not sure what we do and she said come on <laughs> so but you guys pulled it together and, and kicked butt and just killed it and and anyways very thankful for 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 that uh, uh, for that yeah. amazing night you know that was uh, that was fun and for obviously an amazing cause but um, yeah just just in case I I, I hadn't thanked you before I want to thank. Uh, you. Uh, it's all good. I've I've had to talk these guys into doing many, many a gig that, that I maybe didn't want to. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sure. But I mean, those are the years where we had the momentum going for doing projects like that. And yeah. you know, and it, it was just such an honor to do those gigs. And I remember, yeah, isn't that when we backed up uh, yeah. Norwood and Angelo yeah. did oil yeah. that for the first time? Yeah. Yes. Which in, ended up, you know, doing oh, it again. Okay. So yeah, we yeah, recording it, yeah. yeah. Nice, yeah. And what was that recording session like with Angelo? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was eye-opening to what genius looks like. <laughs> that guy, I mean, he does, he's, he's, he's Tom, but on a different level. He just, he can just orchestrate in his head. And so he came in there taking, you know, what was, a, a fairly simple, straightforward song, you know, by uh, Monty Morris, and then he he wrote. What did you write? Two verses for it. Two verses on, on, the, on, the, on, spot. The, spot. on the spot. Yeah. <clears throat> that song has we, been a staple. Has been a staple on all my playlists. Yeah. yeah. And he would just give me another track, and we get another track, another track, another track, and he just he would write these layers of of um, harmonies in his head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah, really, all in my lamp. It's, it's a master. Yeah. And he's he's walking around the garage barefoot drinking whiskey and <laughs> 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 on the recording. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was crazy. I, 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 of, you know, I even played it for Monte Mars. You say, hey, not bad, man. You know, no, yeah, cool, man. man. Monte doesn't compliment anyone. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah 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 wow. um, wicked wicked song so i'm encouraging people to sure. listen to if nothing else all in my lamp uh, very much so uh, mm-hmm. uh on as far as um jason's musical influences do you know like what what bass players he might have uh, whether it's from the scene or or, or or legends that he might have really loved and looked up to and that's a good question. I he really liked Tool. Did yeah, he? that's what I was going to say. He liked Tool. He's a huge Tool fan. Yeah, okay. Tool fan. Yeah. yeah, Jason and I used to uh, kind of bond over that, like a little bit of a rock background. Um, yeah. Tool, yeah. definitely. Uh, Primus. Yeah, Primus. Um, he liked the heavy. The heavy. Yeah, yeah. Mars yeah. Volta. <clears throat> Queens yeah. of the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. but of course all the classic stuff too. I mean, he was super super well versed on that. You know, yeah. Scott Lights. He liked, and, he liked a lot of classic rock. You know? What's the name of that band? He. That's when it started getting questionable. The um, the new Soundgarden band. What's them? Oh, Audio Slave. Yeah, Audio Slave. Slave. Yeah. We love Audio Slave. We're like, come on, man. Because in in the van <laughs> when we're driving when we're on tour and stuff like that, whoever's like you know playing their music up front. You know, we're like faded to the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had a near intervention at one point. Uh, oh, yeah. When he was on his major audio slave kick because he bought a wah-wah pedal. Yeah. And he started bringing his wah pedal to practice and hooking up to his bass. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, Playing this trippy. We're like, you know, playing like, like, back. And it became like a regular thing. We're like, all right, we're gonna have to like talk to him about it. Cool, man. Hide it. And then I think he just sensed it and like literally like had he brought it to another practice, it would have been like, all right, we need to sit him down, but he didn't bring it as the other robot pedal. That is funny. But he had he even had kind of spiky hair at that time. And shortly before he passed away, um, a couple of us went over and we were going through old Debonair's photos and and he had this look, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "That's when I was on, on a big like Audio Slave, like Soundgarden, Chris Cornell kick." And we're like, "Oh, the hair and the Wawa pedal—that was all yeah. part of the same phase." <laughs> uh, I love that. Awesome. That's a great story. Um, what, what are a couple things that might surprise um, people about Jason? Maybe, maybe just what you said—that <laughs> that's probably one of them. But, but is there anything else that um, that maybe would surprise whether it's just people from the scene or, or, or any fans? Well, I got, I got three things. Uh, one, uh, Jason was a staunch Miami, uh, Miami Dolphins fan. Oh, yeah. I, believe it. I, don't, I have no idea why <laughs> I used to give him a hard time about, uh, go Rams. <clears throat> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, wicked jump shot. Uh, he's a really good basketball player. I actually had a really good time playing basketball with him. Uh, we played on a lot of courts, and uh, we had some really good battles. Uh, and uh, can't remember what the third thing was. Shoot, we had to come back to that one. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> but uh, but uh, yeah, uh, between oh and 
and uh, you know, he, his he's he's got a son. So uh, son's about fifteen years old, and uh, we used to sit down and talk about our kids. You know, we'd go out to the bar and just just sort of sit down and talk about our, you know how it is to have kids. You know, and uh, yeah, we had some really good discussions about uh upbringing and how do you bring them up and how do you discipline do you do you slap your kid around no i don't slap my kid around you slap your kid around I <laughs> you know you know how, how do you get them to do this and i was like you know i don't know i just you know you sort of just let them do what they want to do you know my my kids my oldest is he's he's 11 years old so you know i mean uh so we we got to have some pretty good discussions about kids and and what it's like be to be a dad and you know we don't get to see we really didn't get to see our kids that much or as much as we really wanted to and uh uh we got to spend a lot of time talking about that and, uh, I, I know it uh it was something that really bugged him you know and uh, so it, but it was it was good to know that he he really did care for his son so yeah nice so Wonder if Roberto has had any um, yes. stories. Oh my goodness! It wasn't it wasn't mentioned uh, prior, but uh, him and I uh, we hit it off when it came to jazz. Um, there was a huge he almost kicked my ass. I had gone a couple of years ago uh, at the Hollywood Bowl to see a Jocko. Uh, oh, a Jocko Pistorius. Jocko Pistorius. Another one, and I posted a photo, and maybe not even. And it we share uh, his birthday is in August as well. I had gone for my birthday, <laughs> and almost immediately as I posted the picture, he's like, "You didn't invite me." You're an asshole. <laughs> like that. Well, you're an asshole, and I'm like, I. You know, <laughs> he took it personal. But you know, aside from that, um, he's the reason that every time I step into a restaurant, a bar, whatever it may be, I always order an old fashioned. Mm -hmm. That was his, that, that was his go-to. And mm -hmm. to this day, I mean, anytime I'm getting old fashioned, well, why are you always on old fashions, man? Well, back in the day, man, maybe about what, seven, eight years ago, uh, God, I, I couldn't stop ordering shots. Right, I'd always order shots. Oh, man. Man. oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I thought it was funny always giving everybody all the band shots, especially Mike. But uh, and then Jason comes <laughs> up and he's all like, "Why are you always doing tequila shots? Do whiskey." And I'm like, "I don't really drink whiskey." Well, he's never had an old fashioned. Uh, what the hell is that? <laughs> oh, you know, we we were at the bar, got me an old fashioned. I've been ordering them since. So wow. Well, I will, I will, I drink them on occasion. So I will now absolutely thank you, Jason. That's good to know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He liked uh Belgian beers too, oh. German beers. So when we went on tour out there in Europe, that was fun. Uh trying out <laughs> all the different drinks out there too. <laughs> Yeah, so sort of what uh what Kip sort of bouncing off what Kip was saying, um, <laughs> dude had a big heart, man. Uh, yeah. Going to tour, um, that was my first time out of the states, you know, going anywhere that distance, and um, being able to share that stage with Jason, um, Jesus, there was uh, Uten Hermberg. I know it started with the U, 
but we took this huge back oh. road. It was a one-way road to just the stadium, right? Or just the, this huge thing. And afterwards, I mean, Kip's doing this thing. Mono's doing this thing. Mike's not there. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're, we're just both of us sitting together and just watching everything. You know, it, you know, everyone's doing their own just thing. taking it all in. Jason and I is just like, dude, like, what do you think? And I'm like, this is freaking amazing. I'd never in my life thought I'd ever do anything of this, of this caliber. And he's like, yeah, it's all right. Had Jason already been to Europe? Had he toured or been to Europe? No, no, none of us had. Because of his illness, right? No, he he went with us to Europe, but he had never been there before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. um, How extensive is is that the tour poster behind you, Mono? Yeah, we went for uh, like two weeks. There were two, four, six. There's like 12 shows, and we backed up Susan Cadogan. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was really cool. So that, that was, you know, having the experience from backing up other legends before and stuff um that was kind of like one of the only ways it was going to make sense for us um financially and what what not to only go for two weeks because usually you know people do at least three and it's costly sending you Mm. know eight people out there and everything else but um yeah that that was cool she loved jason Oh yeah. She, loved yeah. she was so cool to work with. Like she was the coolest to work with. Like she just had such a young energy, spunky. She's like a cool diva. And uh oh, she treated us like like family, you know. And yeah. she would always do um uh, what song was it? She would do um a medley with um I'm still in love and uptown yeah. top ranking. Oh and- nice. Yeah. She did a, a, good. heard so good, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, she did like a, a breakdown, you know, with the with the bass, and she did right. a little dance yeah. with Jason and give him <laughs> a hug and, and all that on stage. Yeah, it was good times. I, I'm 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 glad we got to experience that. But yeah. uh, was Ryan on tour too? Yeah, Ryan went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually Woody. Uh, was not playing with us at the time he took he took a break for a while and um he came on board to do the the fundraiser for jason recently we had fritz from steady 45s with us yeah that was another thing too like that you know jason trying to get you know the pocket dialed in and you know playing with the new drummer and everything like um you know they they work with each other trying to 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 get that groove going you know it's um i mean drums and bass are the foundation of jamaican music so you have to have that strong you know that 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 connection between them so they were they were able to to you know vibe on that and um and same thing too like when when Cheeky's when we did the fundraiser, Jason, you know, he hadn't passed away. He was he wasn't doing well, you know, he wasn't able to attend it. Um, and um, you know, Cheeky's filled in on bass, and and he's just like one of us, you know. Yeah. He's he's filled in before, and and 
you know, he loves Riverside and everything too. And, <laughs> and when we were rehearsing for that, it was kind of like very much uh, kind of felt like he was channeling Jason's energy also trying to get in the groove with Woody on the drums and just kind of being very, um, you know, kind of firm about like how, you know, we should be playing these things or approaching them and just the discipline and everything. So, yeah, I got to give him props too. And, and, you know, I'm sure J you know, Jason loves cheekies also. And yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know how special that was for cheekies and, um, yeah, I was I was unfortunately on vacation with the family, so I couldn't make it. But I got some great reports from Junior and a few other friends. So, um, yeah, yeah. With that, there, there there's a the, there's one thing trying just to play the music, right? But it's another trying to understand it, right? So the way Cheekies was practicing, he was trying to all right. Well, what's Jason trying to do here? my goodness you know he's trying to figure it out trying to get that jason vibe trying to make it you know full right you got to be, be in that pocket you got to be able to play it the way jason's playing it um and that kudos to him man cheekies i mean that's i, I can't imagine anyone else anyone else doing it as well as he did yeah yeah, yeah. Cheekies, cheekies also sang one of jason's songs that night music of my soul oh, which yeah. i think was really special for everyone you know, that was yeah. a lot of pressure to put on him to ask him to do that. But, you know, Jason he, sang that song almost every show he played the last couple of years. So um, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. Or like, because he started um, singing on songs kind of later in the game. You know, we had been together for a long time and then he he's like i'll just sing this one you know that he wrote or kip would encourage him to sing the songs that he, yeah that he wrote too oh yeah you know yeah. and we're like oh you can sing too you know like this you know he's not from kingston right <laughs> they don't hesitate to put the voice on record <laughs> we <to> the ghetto <laughs> <laughs> suffering and tribulation <laughs> yeah. and that that was cool too with with revivers too because he he um he was originally in it also and then we ended up getting mark from the skeletons on bass and jason came back just to sing backups wow with tony so they have these cousins that have grown up together singing the music that they love you know that was that's a great thing too you know and it and it's cool for jason to be able to just sing and not have to play the bass and sing also so that was really special yeah um, being able to do that also absolutely um as we're, we're reaching our destination uh, i know that we've talked about a number of highlights you know from your careers from from working with legends to, to, you know, European tour that you just referenced, but, but what are some other, um, you know, on the heavier side of things, other um, highlights and, and most memorable experiences with the debonairs? I like Canada. Yeah. Canada. <laughs> That's definitely what we're talking about. Getting into Canada and not getting into Canada. <laughs> Both we're also banned from Canada for a while. Yeah, eh? we got oh, you guys had ganja. 
No. <laughs> that was the first tour of mine going to Canada, having no idea that some of them couldn't get through the border. Well, first, uh, props to Dane uh, from yeah. uh, Victoria Ska oh, yeah. Festival, Ska Society, BC Ska Society. Um, he, he, uh, He's been a longtime Debonair fan, and and uh, you know he brought us up there first in 2007, and um, he's a really cool guy. Like it was funny, I was living in San Francisco at the time, and we were talking on the phone, and um, he has that thick um, Canadian accent, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and I had no idea, you know, who this guy was or anything, you know. And then when we got up there, you know, and, and he's he, he's a got dreads, you know, right. Right. And, and I was like, oh, this is the, the person with this voice, you know, this Canadian accent, like, uh, but super cool guy. But he brought us up there. So um, we was it the was it the it was the first tour that we got banned or was it the second one? No, it's second. It was, it was the second one. Okay. That so was we, the war child war war child benefits. Yeah. So they got they they're very strict at the border. You know, you're supposed to have like a letter of invitation, all that, all that kind of stuff. And um and they asked us where we were playing when we we're trying to come in. And I told them we we're playing the Victoria Scott Festival. And um, they separated me from the other guys in the band. They wanted and, to see if everyone was going to say the same thing. Right. Yeah. And we had other shows booked, but the letter of invitation was for that. So I think we had like, it was quite a few. It was maybe like six shows or something like that. Um, and I'm the one who does the booking and stuff. So I was, I was just telling them about, the, the scoff fest and the other guys were just kind of like, Oh, we, we don't know what's going on. And we're stuck at the border. <laughs> we are there for three hours. And so they start, you know, horsing around and, and, and all this. And uh, so they had gone on our website and saw the other shows and they're uh -huh. like, why didn't you tell us about these? And holding, like, oh, withholding in government, government information. <laughs> yeah. So they just called us up and they already had the paperwork for us to sign that we're banned for a year what and we're supposed to be playing the festival the next day or two days later something like that so um we tried to go in through a different border the next day and we're like maybe they don't have it in their system yet or whatever so we're parked outside of the office at the border i went in and the other guys are sitting in the van and then they see the cop from the other border come walking in <laughs> to the office after I went in there. They're like, oh no. Like, so <laughs> that guy ended up being pretty cool. Um and he en he ended up trying to help us get in, but it didn't work. And then we even tried to go to the American consulate in uh in Seattle and right. And we couldn't play, so we had to cancel. We had to wow. So 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 that that all that run got canceled. Yeah, we had to drive 25 hours back to Riverside. And and we also had Bay Area shows and stuff 
we had shows touring down on the way home to, oh, we had to cancel because we would have had to sit around for yeah. two weeks or a week or we whatever. Had, we also had to take two bass players up there one time. Yeah. So then one, the next, we weren't sure which one was going to walk. Yeah. The, the next <laughs> time we went, yeah. We said, uh, that was good. Yeah. So we brought Cheekies. We flew Cheekies up to Seattle. He met us there and he was going to be our backup because <laughs> me, 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 Tom and, and Jason had all had DUIs. Okay. So we wouldn't have been able to go in and play if, yeah. if they asked us at the border. Right. And Kip had a clean record. So he, we rented a car. We called it the felony car. And then he drove <laughs> us, he drove us in there. And uh, the other guys came in the van and we thought we're being, you know, slick. And then they're like, okay, there's all these guys from Riverside. You know, like well, not the, only that we, we had two yeah. cars that we had two cars that ended up getting you know pulled over you know at the border and they both had a tomazin in the car so one had we had oh, ryan yeah. i think in the van and then the yeah. rental car next to him was ryan's brother yeah Chad i see yeah that's so it that was a little suspicious <laughs> also yeah, yeah so so we had brought cheekies as a backup in case jason couldn't get in we already had this plan where like <laughs> the three of us couldn't get in they'd have to just pull together this set with cheekies and without me and and, and tom but when they went when they went through the stuff oh, also i should say we we took a ferry so we were technically like in Canada at this point. We weren't right. at the border. Um, so turning us away would have been a whole other thing. But um, but Cheeky's ended up having something on his record that I don't know if he didn't know about it or what, but he ended up not getting in. Oh, no. and, and we all got in. So he had flown up to Canada. I mean, flown up to Seattle the night before and then had to. <laughs> fly back to LA the next day yeah what, but, what yeah. experiences yeah it, it, I, I heard many a horror stories <laughs> of our yeah. to get, you know yeah but yeah. once you get in there I mean it's a great festival yeah. everybody's super cool every uh, the the fans really appreciate it and um, he's always shown us <laughs> a lot of love um, yeah for sure you know I don't know a he a lot of positive feedback about that festival and how he yeah yeah how he do, conducts himself so that's great news yeah so wonderful to hear um well so for 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 my own personal information if i get the dui is that what i said dui yeah. dui i can't go to canada uh, but it's, <laughs> not unless you're I mean, like well let me let me put it like this hey. i i have to go up to Canada sometimes for work. And when I get to customs, uh, it usually takes me about two hours to get through. And I asked the inspector when I was up there last time, I said, uh, you know, what's, why do you guys always keep me here at, you know, it, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, you have a, you have a red mark on your, you know, on your, on your profile. I mean, every time you come to, every time you come through, we're gonna we're gonna pull you out and give you what for. Wow. And I said, "What?" Well, I said, "What's that all? What's that all about?" And he's like, "Well, what did you do back here? You have red mark on your 
Hmm. And I said, well, it's something that happened a long, long time ago. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's just how it is. You're going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. So I, you know, I, I even talked, told my boss, I said, hey, if you want to, if you want to send me to Canada, just remember, uh, I may be sitting in there at the border for a while. Yeah. And so, right. so, I mean, it happens every time though, unless I drive through, hmm. drive through, no problem. Fly oh. in, problem. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, gentlemen, um, any other uh, final final thoughts or, or um, memories or anything you'd like to say and let let the world know about about Jason? Um, well, one one thing uh, he he gave me his record collection to sell. Um, which initially when we were doing the fundraiser in November, um, that was the plan was, you know, to try to sell it, to, to, to raise funds. Um, um, we're gonna, I, we're gonna have a private memorial with just us, uh, soon. And I'm offering that up to, you know, his closest friends and family to, um, own a part of of his collection to have you know um after you know that first round of of people i'm going to be offering it up to people so listeners like this people in our in our extended scott family and stuff you know hit us up if you'd be interested in that and uh and another thing all the things that we've talked about and everything if anybody wants to kind of get to know him better and and the band and whatnot i'd encourage people to go and 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 listen to the songs that he's written you know and uh and just kind of you get a a much better idea of you know his personality and the person he was and 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 the 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 messages he was trying to give to people that's 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 Mm -hmm. wonderful yeah that would be uh pretty amazing um i'm gonna do the same actually that's, that's really yeah. great advice um well ryan woody mike kip mono and roberto roberto great to meet you i've seen you on stage but we haven't met yeah uh, yeah thank you guys for um for doing this mm-hmm. um, yeah thanks for having us yeah, yeah thanks no, we're, we're happy to. Mm-hmm. So one last question. Yes, what, what is the band doing now? Any new well, recordings, any shows planned? That's a question Bob Mal usually asks. That's what, what we, we want to get to the recordings. So when we get together for our little private memorial, we'll talk about it more. Um, the songs, you know, that I said pre-pandemic, we've, we've done really rough recordings just at practices and stuff like that. So we have references of the songs that you know he did one of them we we played on our live the thanksgiving eve um video that we put out Mm -hmm. last year in uh what was that 2021 yeah or no 2020 yeah 2020 2020 Um, yeah the song um blue sunday on that an instrumental he wrote that also um 
but yeah, no, that that's the plan for 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 now. I think I I, I so just is the would, band gonna go to the past or is it gonna continue making music and touring? I I I think once we once we record and release these things, that's kind of like the first step for now, and then we'll see after that. You know, um, that's kind of the only way we've been able to stay together. You know, twenty seven years is yeah being able to kind of take it one step at a time well debonairs is consistently uh consistently delivers on stage and on record and uh and i have to say you guys are are really some of the some of the nicest and some of the the, the most grounded on the scene so you know from from his way back to those to those steady beat days uh um when i first saw you guys so yeah thank you for always being so uh so cool too. So, what mm-hmm. Riverside and the Red yes, Map? That's true. Right. <laughs> that's in the band that did it. There we go. Put Riverside on the map. There we go. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Thank, thank you all, and um, stay healthy and and um, and safe. And Junior, thank you for uh, yes, indeed. for all that you do here mm-hmm. as well. Right. Well, the bunnies to our uh, viewers and followers. Uh, Please follow us at History of Alaska on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Uh, please follow me at uh, Junior Francis. Uh, this series is produced by my good friend here, Eric Kohler for Rockery Radio. Please follow at Rockery underscore radio on Instagram for fresh rock rhythm, soul and Jamaican music inspired daily playlist put up by, again, Eric. Uh, where can people find yes, you? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you and your music? Mike, you want to take that one? <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, you, you can stream all of our stuff anywhere you can stream music these days. So we're on Spotify and Pandora and Amazon Music and all of that. Um, iTunes. Yeah, iTunes. Mike, Mike handles all that stuff for us. And, but- and there is a great, um, uh, I think, Mono, one of you mentioned Jump Up earlier. Um, there's a great vinyl, be- like a best of, right? Yeah, so we did We did actually in Europe, um, Grover Records, they they printed out that that's, it's basically a best of, um so right so it was on grover jump ups i think it's just carried yeah exactly so, yeah. so that's a great chance to get some of our earlier songs that were never released on vinyl uh we also have our 45 with steady beat yes. and uh yeah everywhere you can stream and then youtube if you haven't checked out that thanksgiving uh video is the moving album still distributed through jump up also yeah yeah oh nice yeah that's on vinyl too and 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 debonairs are on social media as well so yeah debonairs music on instagram and just the debonairs on facebook and all right well so much eternally great talent you guys are sitting on a gold mine gotta mind it yes and on that note um (laughs) Much, much love and respect, and and, and mind the goal. We'll, 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 we'll put the music out. <laughs> All right. Real, thank you. Jim. I thought I was actually talking about real gold. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. yes. Yes. Sitting in a gold mine. So many professionals. Are you kidding me? 
yeah <laughs> yeah thank you for doing this and and um we will uh i'll 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 continue to to love and 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 remember jason mm-hmm. um i know i speak on behalf of uh you know his fans and, and people from the scene and and friends so um yeah thank you all guys have a great have a great night yeah thank you guys thank good night thank you, thank you. Right. Peace, take I care guess. all right bye-bye. thank you guys you bet. All right. good night good night